The question of the day is this. When life takes something or everything from you as a follower of God, what is your response? How do we respond when we may call it life, we may call it God, and I don't know however you would characterize it, but it, it may be a job, uh, it may be a person that is taken from us, it may be our health, uh, it may be a home. Uh, when life takes something or everything from you, how do you respond as a follower of God, um, history is God's story. The Bible is God's inspired record of that story, of how God has worked in human history. The story has God as its primary actor, and God is caring about his redemptive plan. 2019, we have set forth the ambitious goal of working through the whole Bible so that we would see not just the little stories and the little components of God's story, but that we would see all the story and we would be able to put it together. We, we've, we came last week to a part of the story in which God disciplines his children. In the Old Testament, there are two great periods of God's discipline. The first one would have been the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The second one is where we find ourselves historically today, and it is the 70-year captivity in Babylon. It was a time that God took everything from his people. He took their land. He took their place of worship. They took uh, their capital city with its walls. I want you to get this sense that everything they had trusted in, depended upon, were used to, that was normal about their life, that they found security in, all of that was taken away. Um, they lost everything. Their land, their capital city, their place of worship. Um, and in three stages, they were carried into captivity to a new land that had different customs, a different language, different politics, different religion. They were carried to a land where everything was different. Um, if we look on the timeline, Peyton, can we put the timeline? Um, I want you to see this, and this will be a timeline Oh, wow, we've misspelled Zerubbabel, but anyhow, we'll clean that up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm a, 
I've got issues with certain things, you know, just little details. I'm all right. I'll be okay. Really, no, I'm okay. Um, this will be a timeline we'll use uh, maybe for actually a couple weeks. Um, the Babylonian Empire took over the Assyrian Empire in 612. In 605, 605, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came to Jerusalem and they conquered the city the first time and they took the cream of the crop, the best and the brightest of the young leaders away into captivity, into exile in Babylon. Daniel, who is our focal point this Sunday, was one of those. There were three other guys that we know that were part of that group. His running buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 605, the first group, the best and the brightest were taken. Uh, they didn't learn their lesson. They rebelled again against Nebuchadnezzar. And in 597, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he does it again. And he takes more people this time into exile, into Babylon. They still had not. This is like a round of spankings with Hayden when he was a little boy. It's like we did it once and then we, it didn't work and so we just did it. Anyhow, I'm sorry. I, that's bad. I'm sorry. That's, he's a wonderful person these days. Due in large part to those repeated spankings. Amen. Thank, yes, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, other testimonies today. Um, in 586... Nebuchadnezzar comes one last time, and this time he levels the city. Takes, he scatters all the people that he can't take into exile. He destroys the temple, the walls, the city of Jerusalem. He levels it. It's over. Jeremiah had prophesied that the captivity, the exile, would be 70 years. Uh, the, so if you'll note, mathematically that uh, in 605 the first group of exiles are taken out 70 years later in 536 there is the first return of people back into the promised land the other 70 year component to this is that the temple was destroyed in 586 70 years later in 516 uh, the temple is rebuilt and completed. So there's, there's a couple 70s that are going here. What I want you to understand this morning for our primary character, Daniel, is Daniel serves in these years. Brother Ted, Daniel was born, uh, most scholars would think, in about the year 630. So if you do your math, in 605 when the best and the brightest are taken away, Daniel is 15 years of age. <laughs> he's, he's a teenager, but he was probably of the nobility class, and he was the best. He was part of the best and the brightest. He is, get this, he is 15 years old, scholars theorize. When he was taken to Babylon, everything that he had known, even in his short life, he loses, and he is taken to a land where he doesn't know anything 
We're going to pick up the story here in just a minute. Um, and Daniel serves, actually past the time of Zerubbabel's return. Uh, this is why I mentioned Brother Ted. Uh, scholars think that Daniel was born in 620. Did I say 620 or 630? I'm sorry. 620. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, hey, preacher, work on your math. Well, this is where my dyslexia kicked in. Uh, they think he died in 530. So it's 620 to 530. Brother Ted, he was just a youngster at 90 years of age. Uh, but his ministry lasts uh, for really those 75 years of criti this critical history. And his story is re recorded in one of the most phenomenal books in all the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, that we're going to quickly work through today. And Daniel is placed among the major prophets of Israel. And so when they wrote the, when they ordered the Bible, uh, not only somewhat chronologically, but in certain sections, in the sections of the prophet, they start with the major prophets, and it is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's book of Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, four major prophets. And then you have the 12 minor prophets after those in, in the order and also somewhat in a chronological order. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Because what I try to do in these sermons is I say, what is this about? What was God communicating? What is it that we need to know? And this has everything to do about our response when life takes something or everything away from you. How do we respond? Here is the truth of the, of the day. Regardless of your circumstances, God is still God. Regardless of your circumstances, what has been taken away from you, how life has changed, what that thing was that you trusted in, you depended upon, you were used to, when that is taken out of the way, it doesn't matter if it's the temple, if it's the city walls of Jerusalem, if it's the land, if it's the people, if everything in life has changed, regardless of your circumstances, when all of that is stripped away, the reality is God is still God. And he is there. And he has a plan. He has a purpose. And he is working out that purpose in our world all around us. That's the message of the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is 12 chapters long. Uh, the first six, six chapters are stories. Six chapters, six stories. The last six chapters are six prophecies of Daniel. It's kind of it's split in half, uh, and it follows that very precise arrangement. In the first six chapters, and let me just tell you, I am blown away by the book of Daniel. Amy made the mistake last night as we were driving home from a wedding to say, well, maybe it would help you if, 
to stay awake if you would just preach your sermon to me in the car and so I'm I'm she's over it right now she's like no I've already heard this from uh, somewhere around Segoville to the other side of uh, who knows what Jacksonville okay Daryl I wanted just a little gist of it I didn't want so I'm and I (laughs) I did get a little worked up in the car last night Daniel is a phenomenal book. The, the, the six stories are just epic stories. And they are stories about when the, the Jews are taken out of their land, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they go to a land where everything is different, different and their faith is tested. How do they respond? Phenomenal stories of courageous and uncompromising faith. Every story, and I'm just going to run through these real quickly, well, except for the first one. But um, just to give you a little highlights, so you go, oh, that's in the book of Daniel. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the book of Daniel. Six stories of a courageous and uncompromising faith in the midst of circumstances where everything had been taken away from them and their faith is tested. But I want to read the first chapter just because it kind of gives us a lot of the, the background of this. And um, we'll make a few comments and then I'll rant and rave about some other things here in just a minute. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's 605, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, make a note about that, which he carried into the land of Shinar, which is their land, the land of Babylon, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men, in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, and the Babylonians are known also as the Chaldeans, their culture. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Hmm. Key verse. In fact, it sets the stage for the rest of the book, the next 75 years. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, 
just time out. Phenomenal statement that a 15-year-old boy who had been captured by an invading army and carried to a land that was, I don't know, 500 miles away, and everything was different. He had lost everything, including his family. But he's a Jewish boy that has faith in God. The rest of the stories of his courage and uncompromising faith, when every test comes, Daniel lives out what he started as a young boy. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself because those things that he was being fed were either contrary to the dietary laws of the Old Testament or were connected to the pagan worship of their gods. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Uh, then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you in the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. So deal with your servants. I'm sorry, I've read that wrong. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and, and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portions of delicacies and the wine which they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Hmm. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus, which I haven't told you yet, but is the year 536. 70 years. So he served in the court of the kings of Babylon and in turn the Medes and the Persians. First test responds, they respond in courage and uncompromising faith. Uh, chapter 2 Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he says, hey, oh, hey, guys, all my wise men in my court, I need to know what my dream means. And they say, oh, king, well, tell us the dream. <laughs> and Nebuchadnezzar said, no, it's not going to work like that this time. 
you're such wise guys you tell me what the dream was and what its interpretation oh king nobody can do that and so Nebuchadnezzar gives the order to begin to kill all of the wise men in his court because he knew they were phonies and the word finally gets to Daniel and uh, Daniel says give me a day and one of the patterns in the book of Daniel emerges in chapter 2 Daniel prays with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego oh God take mercy upon us and God gives Daniel the, the vision the dream and the interpretation and, and I love this in Daniel 2 27 it says Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said the secret which the king has demanded the wise men the astrologers the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king <laughs> but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days oh and I don't have time to get bogged down there but make a note of that your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these and he tells him the vision and the dream and it's about kingdoms that come and go and uh, I want to read after he tells him all of that and he tells him the significance of what he's seen and what it means and God's laying out history for the next whew, long time two and a half millennium he says in verse 44 at the end of all this he says and in the days of these kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever and I just want you to make a mental note at this point the first vision chapter 2 Daniel rises yes to the occasion encourage an uncompromising faith and God gives him the vision and the interpretation but as he begins to lay out what God shows him and the reason that Nebuchadnezzar has been given this dream is there is a coming a kingdom that will be a forever and everlasting kingdom it will be God's kingdom and it becomes a huge theme in the book of Daniel test number two passed with flying colors six chapters six tests third chapter Oh my y'all know this story King Nebuchadnezzar and all of his pride he sets up a great image and he tells everyone to bow down if you don't bow down do you remember what the consequence was gonna be you get thrown in the fiery furnace we don't know where Daniel is at this point but we know that Shadrach Meshach and Abednego when the music started they just stood there hmm other guys that are I mean there's been snoopy people you know and people that are always concerned about everybody else through the ages somebody instead of you know when you when you bow for prayer you're supposed to keep your eyes closed you know it's kind of like my kids were blessing the food and you know they're going up well I, I was gonna say Hayden Byron had his eyes open during the prayer daddy well how do you know that anyhow there were Snoopy people in those days and they noticed that the Shadrach Meshach and Abednego didn't bow down it's like hey King I thought you know they didn't bow down they get thrown in the fire the furnace Shadrach Meshach and Abednego those Jewish guys they didn't bow down okay we're hauling them in 
I love the statement that expresses their courage and uncompromising faith. I love this, Brother Mitchell. Brother Mitchell, I'm sorry you moved on me. Chapter 3, verse 16. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. (laughs) If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I mean, they put their life on the line. If you haven't read this, read it. They get thrown in the fiery furnace. Not only do they not die, somebody else extra shows up in there. Don't have time for that this morning. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar says, get those boys out of there. They don't even smell like smoke. Test number three. They demonstrate an uncompromising and a courageous faith. And God shows up once again in a big way. Chapter 4, oh, Nebuchadnezzar has a, a dream and Daniel interprets that dream and God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. Test number 4, passed with flying colors. Test number 5, in chapter 5, new king. Many years later, Daniel is now an old man. <laughs> Belshazzar a king and actually historically you're not gonna believe me on this one we know the date for this he throws a banquet on October 11th I'm serious 539 October 11th 539 they are being surrounded by the the Medes Babylon is and Belshazzar throws a party and to taunt to shake his fist at God he has them go get the sacred containers from the Jewish temple and they come and they drink wine out of it (laughs) great story them boys it's not just that they had a few too many it was all of a sudden they look up and there is a hand writing a message on the wall this is where we get the phrase the handwritings on the wall there is a hand He calls in all the wise guys who cannot tell him what it means. But Daniel knows what it means. And he says in chapter 5, verse 26, this is the interpretation of each word. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Don't have time to go into all that this morning, but Daniel interprets it. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put on a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being 62 years old. We know from extra-biblical sources, October 12th, 
539, the Medes diverted the Euphrates River that flowed through Babylon. And when the water wasn't flowing through the conduit that, or the aqueduct, whatever you want to call it, the army went in that space into the city of Babylon and overthrew the city and killed Belshazzar just as the handwriting on the wall that Daniel interpreted said it would happen. Test number five passes with flying colors. Test number six in Daniel 6. Uh, Darius is now king. The Medo-Persian Empire has taken over. And uh, he has 120 satraps or governors, leaders of regions. And they are jealous of Daniel. And so they get the king, Darius, to make a decree that they should pray to no one except to Darius for 30 days, knowing that they would entrap Daniel. And it says in chapter 6, verse 10, Now Dan when Daniel knew that the writing was signed of the edict, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. They bust him. Nobody's supposed to pray except to you, O King Darius. You wrote it in the decree. What's going to happen? We're going to get thrown in the lion's den. You're not going to believe this. You've never read this story. They throw him in the lion's den overnight, but God closes the mouths of the lion. Unbelievable stories. I mean, those are epic stories, aren't they? Six tests where their faith was tested each time they respond in, in a courageous, uncompromising faith and God shows up. Why? Because despite their circumstances of everything being taken away from them, they had no place to worship, they did not have their families, they did not have their land, they did not speak their language, their government was different. God is still God. He is still on the throne. In fact, the rest of the book, man, this is like another 45 minutes of the sermon. I'm like done this morning. I'm sorry. On your sheet of paper, the last six chapters of the, are the prophecies, phenomenal prophecies. And I could just twist off on these. So the first six chapters are six tests that they all pass over that 75 years. The last six chapters are six prophecies. And I probably knew that I was going to be in trouble this morning, so I typed it all out for you. It is amazing. The prophecies of Daniel are mind-boggling. And he starts actually in the vision that Nebuchadnezzar has in Daniel 2, and it's of four kingdoms that will come. Well, actually, there's a fifth one. <laughs> and each time there is a description in chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8 of these kingdoms, starting with the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, the Roman. Get in the midst of the Roman and they don't use those words, but they use descriptive, whether it's a golden head silver chest, bronze belly, 
legs and feet of iron and clay, or whether it's a, chapter 7, a winged lion, a bear, a four-winged leper, a ten-horned beast. Each time the kingdom passes, another kingdom comes, but the end of the story is, but God is setting up an everlasting kingdom that will crush all of those. And so chapter 2, there is this rock that just crushes them. You can just see it on video, you know. It's like it wasn't cut out by human hands. It was an unhewn rock and just crushes it. And it's Jesus and, and the everlasting kingdom. In chapter 7, those kingdoms come. The detail, oh, my, this is... When you look at the history and you know that Daniel writes this before, these events occur. And he gives the description of Alexander the Great and conquering the world and dying suddenly and his kingdom being replaced not by his children, his ancestry, but by his four generals. And that divided up. And then the Roman Empire. But in the midst of that, that fourth kingdom, there is the everlasting kingdom that emerges and here's the crazy thing about all these prophecies. Man, I'm just trying to summarize here what I had 20 minutes for that I'm just five minutes. And you look over your sheet and you read the book of Daniel. But there is this story of this figure that will come that will, will carry out the abomination of desolation that was originally fulfilled in Antiochus Epiphanes who, who in 168 sets up he sacrifices a pig on the altar of the temple in Jerusalem, which is sacrilege. And then he, he erects an idol, an image to Zeus in that place. But in the prophecies of Daniel, not only is there the prophecy of the little horn, but after the Roman Empire and the everlasting kingdom has come, oh my, there's another week. There's this, there's this prophecy of Daniel of these 70 weeks, and there's 69 weeks, and then there's this week. There's 69 weeks. You're not even going to believe me on this one. But when you calculate the 69 weeks, which are seven years apiece, and that's like 483 years, I believe, my math's not real great. And you take from the time that the order went out to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was Ezra's day, and you project that out 483 years, you know what date you come up with? This is Daniel, hundreds and hundreds of years before, the year 27 AD. And Daniel said that would be the date that the anointed one would come. And that was when Jesus began his ministry in 27 AD. Prophesied. By Daniel over 500 years before it ever occurred to the year it's crazy uh, but the other thing about Daniel is that there is this week after the 69 weeks there is this 70th week there are seven years out there and actually Daniel divides it up into three and a half years and three and a half years and it is the prophecy of after the everlasting kingdom comes, then the only thing we're waiting for is that 70th week, which will be the seven years of the great tribulation. I am not making this up. Read the book of Daniel. It's all in there. That there will be one like Antiochus Epiphanes that will come with the abomination of desolation, and he will stop the sacrifice in the midst 
after three and a half years of seven years, I'm, and you say, well, what? Why? What is the purpose? So six chapters you have these six tests of their faith, and they pass with flying colors, and God shows up in a great way. And then God gives, in the course of the 75 years, God gives Daniel these six visions of these kingdoms that will come and go. This is what God was saying to Daniel in the midst when everything had been removed and they had lost their land, their place of worship, and everything about them. God was saying, I am still God. And even though you look around at the Babylonian kingdom and you say no one will ever topple this kingdom, God says this kingdom will go. And the kingdom that overtakes it will go. And the kingdom that overtakes it will go. And the kingdom that overtakes that will be overtaken by an everlasting kingdom that will be my kingdom that will always reign. Do you understand? In the midst when everything else changed, the visions that came to Daniel is my kingdom is still an everlasting kingdom. You can look around at your circumstances and you can say, well, I, I don't see a lot of evidence for it. God says kingdoms are going to come and they're going to go and Nebuchadnezzar is going to fall. Alexander the Great is going to die suddenly. But there is going to come a day when there's going to be an everlasting kingdom set up and it will be forever. Don't ever think in the midst of your circumstances that somehow God has stepped off the throne no God is still God and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and if you really just want to blow your mind this week sit down and read the book of Daniel and Google a commentary or I don't know it is phenomenal. Well, your pastor's giving you the cheat sheet. You know what the symbolism means because I wrote it down for you, okay? Zach and Megan, y'all got lots of time this week. Y'all spend some time in Bible study this week on those four kingdoms and then the everlasting kingdom and then the seven years of tribulation. It'll bless your marriage next Saturday. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Megan, you've got other things to worry about. Don't do that. Regardless of our, your circumstances, God is still God. And his kingdom is the only everlasting kingdom. In the midst of all of that, the 70 years, that's what God said in a phenomenal way through a phenomenal man, Daniel. Amen? If you say amen, I'll quit. We're done. Stand. We're going to come and Brother Gary's going to lead us, lead the praise band. And Father, today, um, Father, I know there's many circumstances in this room. <laughs> we all have a story. and Father, we pray that you'd remind us of your greatness in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. You are love. 